We finished um, the first major subdivision under karma, which was thinking about the general aspects of cause and effect. Now we're going into the second major um, division, which is thinking about the specific aspects of karma and its results, actions and its results. And under that one, it talks about um, recognizing eight favorable conditions or qualities for dharma practice. And then secondly, the proper utilization, how to use those eight favorable qualities. And thirdly, the virtuous actions, which are the causes leading to human rebirth with these eight. When I explain these eight, I'm going to explain all three of those points in terms of each one. In other words, I'm not going to list all eight and then go back and tell you the benefits and then go back and tell you how to get them. I'm going to say one and its benefits and how to get it, okay? just because I'm lazy and that's easier. <laughs> okay. And this, there are some points in this upcoming section that can be a little bit controversial. So we can have lots of controversy. <laughs> I should uh, preface this by saying that these eight are not necessary conditions to becoming enlightened. Okay because we already went through the precious human life, you know, the, the conditions that are most conducive for Dharma practice. These eight are like frostings on the cake, okay? So they are not necessary for Dharma practice or the attainment of enlightenment, but because these eight qualities give us certain societally, societal power, you could say, or, you know, things like this, it kind of helps our actions to benefit others more. It, it aids in the practice of, of uh, the Dharma, and so thus, you know, can make progress more rapid. So what I'm saying is they're not necessary, but they're nice to have, you can have them, okay? Um, I... Mm, <laughs> well, I won't say anything, and, and um, we'll get into controversy. Um, <laughs> so the first, uh, the first favorable condition to have is a long life. Okay. Now this one, I think most of us can see that if we have a precious human life, it would be nice to have a long one. Yeah, because having a precious human life is very advantageous. If we have a long one, then we have um, a greater amount of time to study and practice. You know, it it's beats, you know, get growing up, being 30, dying, having to go through childhood and, and teenage years again. And then, you know, not having so much time and, until you're 30 again. Okay? So by having a long life, then it gives one a lot of time to practice. The Tibetans actually say that, that if you're living a virtuous life, it's good to have a long one. If you're not living a virtuous life, it's better to have a short one. <laughs> yeah, less time to create negative karma. Um, okay, so the long life helps us have more time to practice. It gives us a more extended period of time to get to know others and to establish relationships and be of benefit to them. Okay, that makes sense, doesn't it? Okay, now, the, the cause to get this and this is, is given so that we can know what the cause is for this, so that we can create the cause to 
have a long life in the future is um, to abandon killing, to save other people's lives, to give them food, um, to give medicine to the sick, to nurse people, and to release prisoners. Now, here's here's where cultural elements come in, okay? There, there, my opinion, my humble opinion, my teachers might disagree, there are cultural elements in these. This is one of them, okay? Because I, my, the, the feeling I get often in the scriptures, you know, they always talk about how wonderful it is to release prisoners. I have a feeling that's because in ancient times, many people were imprisoned unjustly, you know, because there was so much uh, authoritarian power by the king that somebody could just go into a village and, you know, arrest people they didn't like and, and you know, torture and so on. So in those days, I think that releasing prisoners probably meant releasing innocent people. In our days, I think it could mean something else. Um, if you want to go off onto a, t a tangent about talking about the criminal justice system, we can do that. But um, basically, you know, when you talk about this in, in Buddhism, the whole idea of prisoners, um, I think the basic thing is that imprisoning people with a, um, a wish to get revenge and to punish them, that this is a negative action. Okay, in other words, it's the wish to harm somebody else. That doesn't mean that you never imprison people, because obviously if people are going to hurt other people, thereby creating negative karma, thereby sending themselves to the lower realms, if you can, out of compassion, put people in a good circumstance, or at least protect them from a circumstance where they're going to go berserky, then you're doing both them and their potential victims a favor. But you have to do it with a good motivation. But I think this thing in, in about releasing prisoners here is put in, um, you know, in terms of, of releasing people who are unjustly imprisoned. Okay? So, oh, I should also add with these um, eight conditions that, like I said before, they aren't necessary for the, for, um, the attainment of enlightenment. And also it's very important that if you get them, you have to have a, a good motivation to accompany them. Because any of these eight qualities in and of themselves is not virtuous, is not positive. Any of these eight can be misused. So you can see just the example of a long life. If you're living a, a, um, a virtuous life, a long life is great. If you're living, you know, a very destructive, harmful life, a long life is not good. You know, it's not a quality that benefits you. So these eight are not in and of themselves virtuous, but it's just if you have a good motivation, if you're practicing, they can be helpful. Okay, then the second one is to have a, um, a sound, handsome, healthy body. Okay, so <laughs> this one you're going to laugh at, but I'll explain. Um, the reason for, for having an attractive body is so that people will be attracted to you and by them being attracted to you, they'll have faith in you, they'll like you, and so that you can then influence them, yeah, and be of more benefit to them. Now, we're going to say, but isn't wanting to have a nice-looking body, isn't that the eight worldly dharmas? Well, if you want that out of attachment, yes, it is. You know, if you want a beautiful body simply because you're attached to good looks, definitely the eight worldly concerns, yeah, negative mental attitude. 
However, what we're talking about here is with a positive attitude and a wish to benefit others, if you have an attractive body, that helps you be of benefit to others, If again, if you use it properly. Yeah. In the sense that if you're, you know, like just really outrageously ugly, people are, you know, they're not going to be because of people's own confusion and and their own junk, they're not going to be want to be around you. It doesn't mean being attractive makes you a good person and being ugly makes you a bad person. It just means that in terms of other sentient beings. Um, prejudices and preconceptions, because we are living in a world with sentient beings who have prejudice and preconception, that having an attractive body makes people attracted to you. It makes them have more faith in you. There's no logic to it. What we're getting at is just in terms of, you know, we're dealing in a world of sentient beings with their misconceptions. Okay? So it helps. Um, if if you are reasonably looking, because then it's, people will be around you, you can help them better. Okay, the cause um, of having an attractive body, the principal cause is patience. Yeah, and here right away you can see a very interesting link. You know why patience is the cause of having a nice looking body. If you are impatient and angersome, what does your body look like this lifetime when you're impatient and angry? Yeah, your body doesn't look very attractive. Yeah, so just, you know, that mental state right away shows in the body this lifetime when you're angry. It creates the karma in the future to again, to have, you know, a body that's not so attractive. So that's the anger. If you're patient, Similarly, you know, you have a very nice expression this lifetime. It creates the cause to have an attractive body in future lifetimes. Yeah, that's the principal one. Also, um, to have a, a sound, handsome, healthy body, if you offer light and food to the triple gem, um, building statues and stupas. I should add here that, that the Tibetans particularly... Um, in terms of building statues and making paintings, they really emphasize how important it is to do it properly and not do kind of modern art, um, make your own sketch of the Buddha. Uh, in, in the sense that if you, let's say, paint a, a, a very unattractive looking Buddha statue, that, in other words, the artistry is not very good because they say that Buddha can never be unattractive, but the artistry can be bad, um, that that could, you know, create the, the cause in future life not to be so attractive. So they, they really emphasize when you're doing this kind of artwork to, to do it properly. Huh? Communicating? Mm-hmm. Making sense? Okay. So... Building statues, stupas, you know, the, the monuments with the relics inside, that's what uh, Bill wants to do. Um, <laughs> you're not going to get out of it. <laughs> um, uh, publishing Dharma books. Okay, repairing statues and offering clothes to them. Because yeah, often you, you put different clothes and things on the, on the statues. Um, and also um, offer, giving people clothes and ornaments. Yeah, so, again, it's this thing of kind of making somebody else beautiful, either other sentient beings, by giving clothes, or making Buddhist statues beautiful by 
giving clothes or ornaments to them, then it creates the karma for oneself to have an attractive body. So you can see some similarities in the cause and the effect there. Okay, then the third uh, quality is birth in a good, reputable family. Okay, so um, this is, is talking about having social status. If you have, if you're born in a reputable family, then you have a lot of social status. And I think this was especially true in um, Asian cultures. I mean, Americans have this big deal about it equality. So this is, pro my guess is it's probably not as important in America, although you can certainly see, I mean, if, if um, you know, one of the Kennedy kids became a Buddhist, it would make a big effect on people. Yeah. Um, what, what people in high-class families do affects other people because it's easier for them to get publicity, um, you know, their business becomes more widely known. So if you have a lot of social, social status, People know about what you're doing. They respect what you're doing, not necessarily because you're good or bad, but because you have high status. So you see, that's why a condition like this is so dependent on having a good motivation. So if you have a lot of social status and then you abuse it, you know, it could be very harmful. If you're practicing Dharma and you come from a family um, that has status, then you can use that in, in a beneficial way with a good motivation. And so in that way, you can influence people. People will listen to you. Um, they'll, you know, heed your advice. And they'll think you're competent. Now, the way to create the cause for that is um, by not being proud, by, by being humble. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? That if, you're, if you abandon arrogance and, and conceit, you act humble, it creates the cause for you to be born in a family with high social position. Yeah, makes sense, huh? So, um, not being proud of your education or your social class, your ethical conduct, um, your wisdom, your clothing, um, you know, your income, not being proud of any of those things. And uh, also, respecting others who are worthy of respect. So this includes making prostrations to the triple gem, um, generally being helpful uh, to other people, being humble, helping the people who can't help themselves. Uh, in general, just having a mind that's open to seeing value in other people instead of walking around, here I am, you know, why don't you treat me properly? You know, this is me, here I am. <laughs> yeah, that kind of attitude creates karma for um, rebirth where you, you know, people tend to look down on you. Yeah. Whereas if one has a really humble attitude, respecting others, it creates the cause to be reborn in a family. Again, where people just kind of look up to you because of, of the family you're born into. So again, we really have to be very clear here. This does not mean that people who are born into lower class families are bad people or that lower class families are bad people or that these people, you know, okay? I mean, we have to be real clear here that, that we're not um, looking down on anybody because, I mean, look at His Holiness. He was born into a peasant family. 
Yeah. Now his family is part of the Tibetan aristocracy. Everybody listens to them. But if their son hadn't been in His Holiness, nobody, you know. Actually, there was two other sons in that family were Rinpoche's. But, you know, without kind of the children being recognized as incarnate mamas, that family would have no power. So they were just, uh, you know, a very plain peasant family. So, you know, certainly people from um, simple families can can become very great Dharma practitioners. And I wonder, you know, this is the kind of thing that nowadays I wonder if in some ways, um, this is just a wondering, okay, that in some ways if somebody born into a simple family who then becomes a great Dharma practitioner, that person in some ways can benefit people more. Because everybody else can look at that person and say, wow, look how much they overcame in their Dharma practice. And if they can do that, I can do that. Yeah. And so, like I know in Thailand, there was one, um, one farmer who was illiterate. And he became an arhat. And now he's very, very revered in Thailand. And the people are, are very excited that here's this person who was uneducated and illiterate. And he became an arhat, and that acts as a way to kind of make people more enthusiastic. You know, if, if this plain, simple farmer can do it, I can do it. So I think in some cases, you know, certainly a bodhisattva would take rebirth in a simple family to, to act as a good example to others. I think that's probably what His Holiness did. <laughs>